Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I hope the blue bonnets are blooming in your part of the state. I know they are beautiful right here where I'm at. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We'll eventually get past the current drought situation in Texas, but another prolonged dry spell will come along someday. I'm James Hunt, and on Texas Ag Today, I'll talk about a new AgriLife program designed to help ranchers prepare for the inevitable next drought. West Texas early spring moisture offset by very high winds. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. James Duncan reporting from Marshall. Hey, the peach trees are blooming. Everything looks beautiful. Red buds right behind. We're looking for the dogwoods. Beautiful spring in East Texas. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA will once again send out coronavirus aid funds, but in a little different package. Jessica Domel has more. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is reconfiguring how it will disseminate funds to farmers and ranchers impacted by market disruptions caused by the coronavirus pandemic. The current Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, or CFAP, will now be part of a new initiative called Pandemic Assistance for Producers. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said the new initiative will reach a broader set of producers than previous programs. USDA is dedicating at least $6 billion to the new programs. Vilsack said the new initiative is needed because, after a review, USDA identified gaps and disparities in how assistance was distributed to farmers and ranchers. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The recent run-up in grain prices is a very positive development for Texas corn farmers, but not so positive for cattle producers who have to buy that corn for feed. The tug-of-war that we see between what's great for our corn farmers isn't necessarily so great for our for our cattle ranchers. That's Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson. He says the current high grain prices could cause farmers to plant more acres. And if that happens, it could help calf prices come this fall. You know, I think the potential exists for a very large crop this year that really pulls down those, or pulls down those feed costs in the fall, which really helps our calf prices. But, you know, near term, that probably does, you know, those high prices probably do pressure our calf price and feeder cattle prices lower. Texas A&M's David Anderson. There's a new AgriLife program that helps Texas ranchers plan for drought. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Texas A&M AgriLife has announced an upcoming webinar series called Developing a Drought Management Plan for the Ranch. It's going to be offered online over the course of four evenings, April 13th, April 15th, April 20th, and April 22nd. AgriLife economist Justin Benavides will be among the team of AgriLife experts providing the presentations. Our 
focus is really developing a plan that you can apply statewide or even for producers in a different state. It's about knowing your options and the resources available to you so that you can have a plan in place ahead of time rather than having to be reactive. Dr. Benavides will open the series with a presentation on what's available in the way of drought risk management for ranchers. I think a lot of our risk management programs are underutilized. Part of that is because they're still relatively new. And while there will be a second presentation on economic management strategies, Dr. Benavides says the series goes beyond finance as ranchers can also gain new insights on preparing for drought with regard to animal nutrition, herd management, rangeland impact, and wildfire threat. We as economists, you know, we can get really focused on what are the dollars and cents of these decisions and we can model things to our heart's desire. But having that real practical experience and the real science-based, evidence-based knowledge from our science faculty is going to add a whole lot of value. Again, that's the webinar series called Developing a Drought Management Plan for the Ranch, taking place April 13th, April 15th, April 20th, and April 22nd. Cost is $50, and participants can earn three CEUs. Advanced registration by April 12th is required. Contact AgriLife Extension for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Recent moisture has been helpful in West Texas, but the drought there continues. Tom Nicoletti reports. The latest Texas drought monitor shows extreme to exceptional drought conditions in West Texas, including the South Plains. That's where we go for today's report with Eddie Griffiths. Eddie, the early springtime precipitation sure is beneficial for the region's winter wheat crop and grazing conditions in pastures. Yeah, and we hope with this moisture that the winds will subside some. It's, you know, we typically get plenty of wind in this area, but whenever they consistently come at 50, 60 miles per hour, you lose the moisture that you've gained from that last rainfall. And that's been the case. Seems like every time we've gotten moisture, we can expect 60 mile an hour winds to come and blow through here. And, and it's not just for two or three hours. It's for a night and a day, it seems like. Yeah, those high winds have also buffeted a lot of central Texas, uh, maybe not to that extreme, but uh, certainly high winds in late winter, early spring uh, don't necessarily help matters. But uh, meanwhile, when it comes to looking ahead to uh, planting season up there on the South Plains, Eddie, uh, what are farmers looking at? I guess we got uh, corn first going into the ground uh, in mid to late uh, April. Yes, you'll you'll start seeing corn going into the ground, as you mentioned, the uh, third, fourth week of April. And then as we hit the uh, first week of May, second week of May, depending on what soil temperatures are, you'll start seeing cotton going into the ground. And, you know, a lot of producers are talking about planting uh, sorghum in the area. And uh, a lot of that could be going in about the same time as the corn and, and sprinkled in with the cotton. So it'll be interesting to see what producers come up with and uh, what they're thinking this year. You know, contracts are good for the uh, sorghum crop. It's the crop that we've gotten away from here in West Texas just simply because of the sugarcane aphid and, and prices. But uh, I think you'll see that thrown back into the mix this summer. With commodity prices higher at this point uh, for these crops, uh, there's talk about uh, maybe more cotton going into the ground in some regions. Yes, sir. And I think that has to do with the banker and what your coverage is. And in this area, cotton is king, and that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. And as far as coverage is concerned and, and protection, that's what producers will be looking at. And when they visit with their lender and, and look at the bottom line, cotton always pencils out the best. 
That is Eddie Griffiths reporting from Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A beautiful spring is kicking off in East Texas. James Duncan tells us all about it from Marshall. East Texas is beautiful this time of the year, and this year it is more beautiful. Peach trees just really look beautiful in the orchards across the area. The redbud trees, the dogwoods are coming. Row crops are being planted right now. We're getting a little corn in. It's been so wet we couldn't up until now. Talk to the cattlemen. The grass is greening up and really looks good, but we always have that old saying in East Texas. February shakes them, March will take them. So we have to wait till it's all over with, which we're right on that verge now of coming to the 1st of April and green grass growing. And the crops are being put in for the gardens also. Tomatoes, potatoes are all in the ground looking good right now. And the freeze, it helped us a whole lot. Did not kill any ticks or any mosquitoes, but it sure made the potato crop come a little bit better. And the peach trees, as I said, are just full of little buds, and peaches are going to be great here in East Texas this year. Now, the cattlemen are happy right now. Of course, we'd like to see that price just a little bit better, but I visited with several cattlemen, and their cattle survived the cold weather that we had in a fine fashion. Not many calves lost during the calving season, and we like those spring calves, so it's good to know that. And then we look for that market to go up. Poultry report is not quite as bad or drastic as we thought as far as damage is concerned. Doesn't look like we had as many houses that were put out of commission as we thought would be. All in all, East Texas just looks a whole lot better this year than last. One other thing, if the oil and gas industry can stay on track, we'll be okay. We depend on it right here like a lot of folks do throughout Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. Farmers and ranchers need more public research funding to stay competitive globally. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. A new report commissioned jointly by Farm Journal Foundation and the American Farm Bureau Federation examines how more public spending on agricultural research is needed to meet the rising global demand for food. AFBF Congressional Relations Director Scott Bennett says there are five USDA agencies funded to conduct agricultural research and development. The Agricultural Research Service, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, the Forest Service, the Economic Research Service, and the National Agricultural Statistics Service. Between these five agencies, there is about $4.2 billion for agricultural research, compared to a similar $4.1 billion 11 years ago in 2010. Bennett says the United States could lose its competitive advantage in agricultural production and exports because of stagnant public research funding. Other countries are boosting their public investment in agriculture. China became the largest funder of public agricultural research and development globally in 2009, with their funding increasing significantly since then. India and Brazil have also recently increased their public agricultural research and development funding. It is imperative that we increase our public research so our farmers have the latest and greatest tools in order to feed the world. Bennett says focusing research in six specific areas would best benefit farmers and ranchers. Crop breeding, crop protection, animal health, animal disease and foodborne illness. Fifth is climate research. And last but not least, food and agricultural supply chains. Shocks like COVID-19 expose vulnerabilities in our food systems. Research on handling of pandemics within the agricultural sector is currently very limited since they occur infrequently. More investment is needed to improve supply chain resilience. Find the report at FB.org. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Donating a fish scale can help improve bass fishing in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll explain how on Texas Ag Today. 
and coccidiosis is a common disease in young calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Coccidiosis is a common disease in young calves, but it can be controlled with ionophores. Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on battling this common disease. Ionophores are commonly used to control coccidiosis until the calf's natural immunity allows them to fight off the infection once they are older. Coccidia are protozoal organisms that can cause disease in the calf's intestinal tract, and bovine veterinarian indicates that ionophores kill coccidia at a specific stage of growth by interrupting movement of ions through the cell membrane and changing the equilibrium of electrolytes in the cell, which leads to protozoal cell death. Ionophores also destroy so-called bad bacteria in the rumen, allowing good bacteria to grow more aggressively. This allows for increased energy metabolism as increased production of volatile fatty acids occur, and this increases production of glucose for energy. Also, less degradation of amino acids and peptides occurs, allowing more protein to make it to the small intestine and be digested for growth. Ionophores can decrease the chance of bloat by increasing propionic acid in the rumen and increasing acetic acid and lactic acid. Ionophores act in the rumen to also reduce methane production better dry matter utilization, and improve nitrogen digestibility, decreasing environmental waste. So ionophores improve calf health and performance by decreasing disease and improving feed efficiency, and even help in dry and lactating cow rations. There are two ionophores FDA approved for calves for coccidia control, and these are Bovitec and Rumensin. And Bovitec is also approved for use in milk and milk replacer. There are also two other products called Decox and Corid that are useful for control of coccidiosis that are not ionophores but are also effective. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Donating a fish scale can help improve bass fishing here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Texas anglers can help improve bass fishing in the state for years to come. The Toyota Share Lunker program encourages anglers who catch largemouth bass weighing 8 pounds or more to log their catch data on the Share Lunker website or app. Kyle Brookshire, program coordinator, says the catch data helps fisheries biologists better manage trophy bass populations. What we're trying to do is just continue to increase our data. So the more entries that we can get from anglers, the better. You know, an angler isn't limited to only entering once throughout the year. So if they catch multiple fish over eight pounds, they're able to submit that catch data multiple times. And really, that's a huge benefit, even if it's in the same reservoir. Like I said, that continues to add to our data pool and gives us a better understanding of the overall population of trophy bass in that fishery. Anglers can also contribute a DNA scale sample from their lunker for genetic analysis. When they go to enter their lunker, 
chunk or catch data from the water when they still have the fish they can pull a scale or two from that fish dry that scale off slip it into an envelope and then mail it to our genetics lab and what we do is we'll analyze the dna from that fish that we pull from the scales and we can dig into that a little bit deeper and determine you know what its genetic makeup is what the lineage of that fish is if there's any related aspects to some of the fish that we've spawned or selectively bred in our hatchery so that's the whole purpose of that is to give us a better understanding again a further in-depth evaluation of our stockings and the trophy bass in that lake all confirmed share lunker participants will receive a catch kit corresponding to their fish's weight class everyone who enters will also be included in a grand prize drawing to win a five thousand dollar shopping spree and other prizes details are available on texassharelunker.com for the texas farm bureau radio network i'm jessica domel Well, the cattle market finally took a breather on Tuesday. After over a week of higher closes, we ended up closing mixed in both live and feeder cattle futures. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, the cattle market took a breather on Tuesday after over a week of higher prices. We ended up closing mixed in both live and feeder cattle futures, prices on both sides of unchanged. April live cattle unchanged at 120.97, the June down 42, 122.22, August live cattle down 22 cents. 121.25. April feeder cattle down 25. 146.82. May feeders steady at 152.20. The August feeder cattle contract up 30 cents, closing at 160.30. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales reported. No bids reported from the packers, but the feedlots are asking higher money this week. Asking prices ranging anywhere from 118 to 120. That's after getting as high as 118 last week. Boxed beef prices continue to climb, taking a big jump on Tuesday. Choice up 476 at 244.29. Select up 349, 235.99. Let's check the auction barns now. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle, Beller, it's time to talk to Rodney Butler from Beeville Livestock. He sells them down there every Friday in Beeville. Rodney, talk to us about price and quality and how many noses you counted. We sold good. We had a good sale. Uh, had 420 head of cattle and seven sheep and goats, and that old market was pretty active. Rodney, you know the routine. Let's walk those pins. Your 200, 300 pound steers, $1.19 to $1.62. Heifers, $1.31 to $1.82. Your 300, 400 pound steers, $1.30 to $1.83. Heifers, $1.21 to $1.72. Your 400, 500 pound steers, $1.32 to $1.64. Heifers, $1.26 to $1.52. 
Your 500 to 600 pound steers $1.32 to $1.67. Heifers $1.20 to $1.47. Your 600 to 700 pound steers $1.29 to $1.41. Heifers $1.20 to $1.35. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.12 to $1.34. And heifers were $92 to $1.18. Cow market's pretty steady. They brought anywhere from 30 to 66 cents. Bulls brought from 69 to 88. Young stocker cows brought anywhere from 58 to 90. With some bred cows dollaring out around that 9.35, sir. Good. Uh, now we will be closed this Friday, right? We will be closed. This Friday, Good Friday. Yes, sir, we sure will. Tell everybody how to contact you. Yes, if y'all need uh, help marketing your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727, or you can call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Just want to remind everybody, on April 16th, we will have a stocker pair and bread sale. going to have probably around 150 head of cattle. Well, good deal. We'll uh, push people toward Beville Livestock for that. Rodney, thank you a bunch. Thank you, and take care. Neighbor, looks like that's it for Walking the Pins. We've got them all counted. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. We're a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs closed higher. April hogs up 55 cents, $100.92. May hogs up $1.17 at $101.62. Class 3 milk was mixed. March milk up to $16.20, a hundredweight. April milk steady, $17.17, a hundred. It was a quiet trade in the cotton market on Tuesday. We moved prices slightly higher. Of course, a lot of traders been sitting on the sidelines this week, waiting on Wednesday morning's USDA planting intentions report. That report out at 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. We ended up closing slightly higher. May cotton up 15 points, 80.64. July cotton up 15 at 81.75. December cotton up 27 at 78.92. The grain markets moved lower heading into the USDA report. July Kansas City wheat dropped 10 and 3 quarters, 564 and 3 quarters. July Chicago wheat down 12 and a quarter, 599 and 3 quarters. Same story in the corn market. May corn down 7 and a half, 539 and a quarter. September corn down 8 cents, 471. December corn down 8 and 3 quarters, 452 and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas was down three cents, two sixty-one. May crude oil down a dollar sixteen at sixty forty a barrel. The financial markets mixed. Dow Jones Industrial Average down seventy-three points, thirty-three thousand ninety-eight. The Nasdaq up two at thirteen thousand sixty-four. The S&P five hundred down seven, three thousand nine sixty-three. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, I'm so glad you took time to join us. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.